0: Coming up on the Rami V podcast, Aaron Rodgers just took a $35 million pay cut to create a two to three year window of competing to win a Super Bowl with the New York Jets. What? It's the largest pay cut any player in any professional team sport has ever taken known to date. Um, I talked about the Jets chances of winning. Is it too good to be true? I talked about their chances of winning in the loaded loaded afc i also talked about the running back situation in the nfl and opened with a couple of thoughts on the nba all that and a whole lot more coming up on the romula v podcast it starts right now One of the things I talk about on this podcast a lot is the stigma against mental health. I think, unfortunately, there has been a stigma, but we're slowly breaking it. And if you think you might be feeling depressed, stressed, anxious, overwhelmed, or maybe you just want to talk to someone, today's sponsor, BetterHelp, is here to help you. BetterHelp offers licensed therapists who are trained to listen and help talk to your therapist in a private online environment at your convenience there's a broad range of expertise and better helps plus therapist network that may not be available in your area you just fill out a questionnaire to help access your specific needs and then you get matched with a therapist another 48 hours plus you can exchange unlimited text messages and everything you share is completely confidential so i talk about on this podcast how your mindset towards things changes everything one of the things that i learned in therapy was that join the two million plus people who have taken charge of their mental health with an experienced BetterHelp therapist. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com Rami. That's my first name. That's BetterHelp, B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash R-A-M-I, my first name, Rami. If you use that link, the link is in the description in the podcast notes. If you use that link, you'll get 10% off and it'll also help me out. So please do that. I'm telling you it's worth it. Do it today. I love when this happens. Like sometimes the world just works out perfectly. Like you do something, you plan something, and then it just happens exactly the way it needed to happen for you. Um, That's what happens. I was waiting to record at a busy day, finally sit down to record the podcast and the news that breaks right before I start recording, like couldn't have been timed any better is that Aaron Rodgers just took a $35 million pay cut to play for the New York Jets not only did he take a $35 million pay cut, but he wants other guys to show up. He has a third-year option on the contract. This is money that's going to be paid over two years now. So essentially what it means is he's signed up for at least two years, which we've been hearing the rumors about forever. Um, and it also means that he now is his roster, what his salary is, his cap hit is lower than anyone expected it to be. And it helps the Jets. They want to go out and get more players. It shows you where his priorities are at. His priorities are winning first. He wants to get more players in here. He wants to make this Jets roster the best it can possibly be. And have a two to three year window to go on a run and win a Super Bowl. And it's everything that it seemed like he was going for. If you read all the headlines, which I have. If you go through everything that's been happening um, over the last... Just since they... Uh, traded for him since that happened since he's been in the building everything that's gone on tells you that this is a guy who's here for one reason and one reason only and that is to win and bring a championship to the new york jets i mean it just sounds wrong coming out of my mouth i I just want to read the quotes i'll read them again a little later by the way relax take a breath welcome to the rami lavi podcast episode 158 this is what we do um it's a sports podcast. I do it about during the offseason. It's been like once a week because there's been no baseball to talk about. I'm not allowed to talk about it. And I don't mind that with how poorly the baseball has gone for the teams around here. Uh, so I'd much rather talk football and talk about the Jets. And man, could this timing have been any more perfect? I wrote a whole episode. I now included this. I was going to talk about the Jets anyway. Don't get me wrong. Um, but here are the quotes. Some of the quotes. Um, the Jets signed a four-time uh, NFL MVP, Aaron Rodgers, to a new two-year $75 million guaranteed contract through the 2024 season per NFL salary data. Rodgers had nearly $110 million guaranteed remaining on his old deal in Green Bay. He's taking less for a, short, for a shot at a ring or two in New York. Another quote, Aaron Rodgers voluntarily took a $35 million pay cut on his two-year deal with the Jets per Tom uh, uh Pellicero, I'm not even sure how to pronounce that. Um, I think it's Pellicero. This will allow the Jets to acquire more talent than they would have under the contract they assumed from Green Bay in April. No team sport player is thought to have revised his contract in such a team-focused way in the past. Again, no team sport player is thought to have revised his contract in such a team-focused way in the past. Meaning this is the biggest pay cut in NFL and sports, team sports history. And Aaron Rodgers is doing it for the New York Jets to play with the Jets? What? Like, that's insane to me. Like, this doesn't happen to us as Jet fans. This doesn't happen for my team. This is what happens to other teams. This is what happens for the Patriots, for the Lakers, for teams like that, not for the Jets. A guy who I grew up with, I mean, again, I I know I need to calm down, I need to temper expectations, and we'll get to that a a little bit later in the episode, but my God, this guy, if he hasn't done every single thing right since arriving in New York, since Being acquired by the Jets, since saying on Pat McAfee that he wants to play for the Jets, and I was a little skeptical that day. I know I said he never talked really about how much he loves the Jets. He just kind of seemed like maybe it was the only option. No, he wants to be here and he wants to win here. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you anymore. Aaron Rodgers. I've tweeted this out almost every single day in the last week because every time the Jets post a new social media post with him just doing something stupid or saying something amazing, I just tweet out the Jets have Aaron Rodgers. I quote tweet it, and I did that again when I saw this news. And I I can't say it enough. Thank you, Aaron Rodgers, I I guess. That's the only thing I can say. I'm obsessed. I've been obsessed, and now I'm even more obsessed. Um, All right, so that's that's that. (laughs) We'll get to that a little bit later, because I do have a lot of Jets talk to get to. Um, But like I said, welcome into the podcast. And something that I've been doing while I've had this time off um, from the podcast, from recording, is I love listening to myself talk, apparently. I didn't know that about myself. Um, Like, I I don't know, I did know that I like hearing myself talk in real time. But listening back to a recording of yourself talk is really difficult to do. Um, And I guess with no Craig Carton on the air anymore at WFAN, I had more time. Um, So I've been listening to a lot of my own podcasts, just old episodes. Uh, One episode I was listening to for a different reason. I, I went back and had to just a couple of reasons. Hopefully I can announce it soon on here. But um, for a couple of reasons, I had to go back and listen to some old episodes and in doing so it's like, um, they talk about this all the time. I think Julius Randall actually talked about this on Paul George's podcast, how when you're a professional athlete, you'll go watch tape of yourself from highlights. Like you'll watch highlight reels of when you were good to me, listening back to great episodes of mine, um, is like watching highlights. It's like, damn, I'm really good at this. Like, I think that's important. It's important to, um, for yourself for your self-confidence and everything like that it's important to go back and listen to yourself to whatever it is that you do for work or whatever it is that you're doing in life you know prove to yourself that you're really good at this thing um and so i've been doing that listening back uh to old episodes and so i found a fantastic episode that i listened to two really good episodes actually um first of all i said in november the jets to trade for aaron Rodgers. november of last year i said the jets to trade for aaron Rodgers. i mean i'm not shocked that i said it but Um, on January 4th, though, I named Nikola Jokic, the MVP and said he is the greatest offensive player I've ever seen in my lifetime. And he's unstoppable. And I don't see why they won't win the championship as long as the role players can step up Jamal Murray and, um, you know, Aaron Gordon and all those guys, um, MPJ. So hmm, I don't know. Um, another thing I said, its just funny to hear like old things to see how they turn out. I was talking about Brooklyn. I did a whole piece on Brooklyn. Um, talking about how like, this is crazy. They've been on this crazy stretch, but you know, it, what can always happen? Who knows? Kyrie does something crazy and then Kevin Durant asks out and that's exactly what happened. Uh, but it's so funny how I talk so much about how good they are and how good they had been for like an eight week stretch at that point. Um, one of the things I talked about was they had a huge game where they beat the Cleveland Cavaliers. They beat Donovan Mitchell. And I said, one thing to point out when you look at Donovan Mitchell in that game, he had a possession that was going viral where he locked up Kyrie Irving on that possession But it seemed like on offense, he was randomly just taking possessions off and hanging out on the wing and didn't want, quote-unquote, the smoke, I guess. And that's what happened in the playoffs. I said, be aware of that. Be concerned if you're a Cleveland fan. He's a great player. I'd still take him. And the news that came out this week with Donovan Mitchell saying, he's still going to end up in New York. He's not signing long-term with Cleveland. And this is what I told you before the Knicks traded for him. I said, the Cavs may end up having to trade him. And even if they don't, he may sign a free agent contract elsewhere. So if in two, three years from now, when his contract is up, I'm not exactly sure when it is he wants to go elsewhere and that still is new york and i don't see why it wouldn't be i mean he's been at city field all summer he's been at new york events all summer this is what he does he actually genuinely loves this city he wants to get his way here eventually he will and it's just a matter of will the knicks want him at that point and will they have to trade for him or will they just be able to sign him as a free agent but i have no doubts that donovan mitchell will end up playing for the knicks at one point in his career hopefully sooner rather than later um so that was last nba season and speaking of last nba season one of the things i was going through i was when i'm on a flight a lot of times i'll go through my media instead of like watching movies or watching, i'll go through like my own media which i don't know it's fun like go through pictures and videos that you send people or that you have in your phone for some reason you're like hey why do i have this in my phone it's kind of interesting um and one of the things i saw was a video that i took It was 17 seconds it was two possessions from quentin grimes on the Knicks and with all the trade talk and especially the talk with, you know, Paul George um, and Donovan Mitchell last year. uh, I was like, people are so flippantly just throwing Quentin Grimes into these trades. Do you remember that play that, that defensive possession that he had in game five against the heat, like where he falls down and gets back up recovers. Of course you do. This guy is a lockdown defender. The shots he hit, of course he couldn't hit the shots at such a high clip in the playoffs in his first playoff series of his career. Okay, fine. But, This kid is a special, special player. And people are just giving him away for nothing. And the two plays that I saw, though, didn't have anything to do with his defense, didn't have anything to do uh, with him knocking down threes. They were two off-ball cuts. And these are two plays of why Quentin Grimes is so important to the Knicks and why when he was inserted to the starting lineup, all of a sudden the Knicks got 10 times better. The first play he cuts off-ball, Jalen Brunson has the ball backing down a defender. Grimes cuts off-ball, gets to the rim and lays it up and in. Like that perfect off-ball cut at the perfect time. The second play, it's like one possession later. The same thing is happening. Brunson has his guy one-on-one. Grimes makes a perfect off-ball cut. This time they recover to him because they expect it, and he dumps it off perfectly to Mitchell Robinson for a dunk. Like Those two possessions are easy baskets because of stuff that he's doing off-ball, off-ball movement on the court, helping his team win, making winning plays. He's a winning player. Talked about him as a 16-game player last year. You don't just throw away those players for nothing. You need those players in the playoffs. And it seems like the Knicks are building a full roster of those guys. And who knows? Maybe it's just R.J. Barrett takes a huge step and that's your next superstar. And if not, keep waiting. We've talked about Embiid. We've talked about, obviously, Jalen Brown. And (laughs) we'll get to him in a second. Um, But there's going to be a superstar out there, even if it's Donovan Mitchell in a year or two from now. You have the right foundation you're building around Jalen Brunson as that guy and a huge piece to have around Jalen Brunson is a guy who can shoot and a guy who can move and play off ball for Jalen Brunson like Quentin Grimes now speaking of this NBA season we move to this season speaking of the new contract for Jalen Brown it's the richest contract in NBA history another contract will beat it soon enough it's 304 million dollars which is insane Um, it's not what Mbappe signed in soccer I mean If you want to start playing soccer, if you're a kid, if you have a kid and you're like, hey, teaching him a sport, you see the contracts in some of these sports, uh, soccer, that's the move. I mean, what was it, a $900 million contract, something something like that. Someone just signed, which is absurd. Um, But Jalen Brown signs $300 million, which is still, that's plenty. Um, And it's the richest contract in NBA history. And he's not even the best player on his own team. Um, But you still hear, you keep hearing headlines like that. This is a guy who's not happy there. And that ultimately might be a contract to move him. I said I still think they're going to give it one more shot with Jalen Brown. I still think that they're going to try and make it work this year. And if it doesn't work this year, then it's going to be all right, dude. Time to move on. Time for everyone to move on. We'll keep building around Jason Tatum. We'll send you where you want to go, and you'll take all that money with you. Um, So I, I don't. Again, I don't think I'm. I'm glad it got done for the Celtics. It is a big deal. It's not nothing. Uh, but it's also, at the same time, it's not something that changes the entire scope of what they were trying to do and what the league is. Like I said, the contracts don't mean as much as, you know, as much as contracts in other sports or anywhere. If you sign a contract, that that's your word, right? And here, if you sign a contract, it just means the athlete gets the money, kind of like we talked about on that last episode. But nothing else happens. Like, he doesn't have to stay. He, there's no athletes end of the deal when it comes to these contracts that's kind of the i don't know frustrating part if you want to call it that i'm not even frustrated about it as a fan i'm not mad about it it's just odd and it's weird how that works um speaking of things we talked about on last episode just a little cleanup um one thing that we talked about on last episode was the nba in season tournament and one of the things i forgot to say and forgot to mention because people are always um disappointed I don't know, upset. The people who are having these big reactions to things like the end-season tournament and things changing like that um are the people who are diehard fans. The people who really care, who people who watch every single game. Like I'm going to watch every Knicks game anyway. You didn't need to convince me to watch any every single Knicks game. I'm going to watch every single Knicks game this year. And not only that, I'm going to watch other games too, right? I'm going to watch teams on NBA League Pass that are not my team. That's what I do. I Sit down every night and I watch basketball maybe i'm sick i don't know maybe i'm crazy maybe maybe i'm the crazy one i don't know but the people who are not going to sit down and watch every game if you give it a little more meaning then those people will start to watch games too and that's the point that's what the nba is trying to do they're trying to draw more attention to the regular season which i said is probably the worst season and that includes the summer league i think summer league and this is just side tangent for a second Summer League, I think, is better than NBA regular season sometimes because those are guys who are fighting for their lives. Yeah, it's only like four or five games, but those are guys who are really like out there giving a full effort, whereas in the NBA regular season, they're not giving an effort. So the point was to motivate players to give more of an effort for a little bit of a shorter period of time. The money should do that, even though yeah, fans don't care about the money. The diehard fans don't care about the money, but casual fans... Those people who they're trying to draw in, who aren't watching the regular season games, they want them to watch the regular season games. They want them to see them at a tourist attraction in Vegas. That's who the leagues are trying to get. The people that they already have, the diehard fans, they got you. They have us. There's nothing we can do. We can't break out of it, right? The leagues have us. We know it. <laughs> we are, take our money. We'll buy your jerseys. We'll buy your tickets. We're going to buy a league pass. We're going to watch every single game. That's what we do as fans. It's just been that way um, and it will continue to be that way. But the casuals who, hey, I like sports. I'll sit down if it's a big game. Now you just added a bunch of big games, quote unquote, big games to your regular season. Um, So good for them. Good for the league. And that's who they're trying to attract. And I've been talking about this actually at work for a lot of time because... You know, at MLB, we have a lot of Yankee fans and at WFAN, there are a lot of Yankee fans and everyone's angry with how they run the organization these days and how it's like, oh my God, they're not, they're never getting the top guy. They'll always get that second guy They, 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 operate like they just try and make the playoffs and get that revenue get that money and then they don't care once they get in the playoffs they say it's a crapshoot as long as they still keep getting the revenue and filling the stadium and selling these expensive foods so they sign Judge and Cole because they needed to sign Judge and Cole but they don't sign anyone else they don't get a shortstop they don't get a left fielder all these things that people talk about and complain about about the Yankees that I've been thankfully avoiding having to talk about on this podcast well that's because guess what sports are for casuals sports are made to cater to the casual fan to the not the every day every inning dies on every pitch viewer so if i'm a casual yankee fan and i go to one yankee game a year and i'm like ah, oh, they made it to the playoffs again this is this team is great they don't stop winning this is awesome and i see mm, this year's a little tougher they're only they're within two games of the playoffs that's tough they're gonna have to fight their way through and find their way in the yankees will keep doing that so stay under the luxury tax Don't go overboard. Don't get a huge shortstop. Don't go after a big left fielder in the offseason. None of that stuff. You don't have to do any of it because you already have us. You have us. We're prisoners to you. We're locked in. We're the diehard fans. We're going to watch every moment of every game, and then we're going to call into the fan and complain about it, and then we'll talk about it on our podcast and our radio stations and talk about it at work if you work at MLB, and that's kind of the main topic of conversation there. Um, But to the everyday guy who's maybe a Wall Street guy who – cares about one game a year or a tourist who wants to show up and get to see a winning product quote unquote again yeah that they're just trying to cater to you those are the people that they're trying to grab as many people in addition to the diehards that they already have no matter what um and that's what i think is happening in the nba summer league all right so that's those are my uh oh the last thing actually you know what here i i didn't talk about this either on uh last episode so um I said, did I say summer league? I think I said, just called it the NBA summer league. I meant the in-season tournament for the NBA. Um, That's what happens in the NBA in-season tournament there. I finished the thought. Perfect. Um, It's so funny. Sometimes when I was listening back to the old episodes, I noticed that like I'll make mistakes and I won't correct myself. And a lot of those episodes, the older episodes, I did a lot more editing than I do now, mostly because I think it sounds more natural to just talk. And I've worked in radio. I've done live stuff more. And it's like, you know what? If you mess up, if you say something and you have to repeat yourself, It's okay. Like, people aren't mad. Like, I'm not saying you should do something like crazy and throw curse words and, I don't know, something crashed and you had to get up in the middle for some reason in the middle of your episode and go do something else or some loud music start playing. I'm not saying keep that in. But, like... If you have to clear your throat, if you have to take a sip of water, like those are normal things that happen. And it's kind of funny being more around live content has taught me that and has helped me with that. And I'm trying to eventually like I always talk about this podcast as this isn't the goal. The podcast isn't the goal. If the podcast blows up and becomes huge. I'd I love that, of course. And I appreciate everyone who listens and shares it. That's obviously first and foremost for me. Um, But it's also for me, it's a daily practice. It's, you know, and that's why I think, you know, when I listened to the old episodes, when I was recording three times a week during the football seasons, my episodes were so much better because practice makes, I guess, perfect, right? If you want to call it that practice makes you more uh, just repetitive and more, I guess, reliable that that thing that you're doing will continue to be more consistent. Right. If you practice it more often, you'll get better at it and more consistent at it, or you'll at least become more comfortable in doing that thing. If you're practicing the wrong way, you won't be better. That's why I hate when people say practice makes perfect, because if you're practicing the wrong way, you won't be perfect. You'll just be that. Um, But when I record more often and I'm trying to figure out how I got on this tangent, I was better um, and I thought that the podcast was better. Uh, so back to what I was saying now, um, I did mess up over there for a minute and I said something that maybe I wouldn't have said. Uh, and sometimes this is also part of it. I say one thing and go into another tangent and my train of thought, I have to bring it all the way back. So I'm going to bring it back to one last MBA point that I wanted to make. And I hope I did finish that thought. Um, maybe I did, maybe I didn't. And I'll find out when I listen back to it, but that's part of it. That's my point. My point is that it doesn't have to be polished. It doesn't have to be perfect. Um, it just Like, I think it sounds so much better when you get to record more often. I think, you know, you get more in a habit and my goal ultimately, and this is what I was going to say, wow, I brought it all the way back. Uh, My goal ultimately is not to just have the podcast, but my goal is to make it onto a major platform. And for me, this is practice. This is building a portfolio of showing that I can improve. And so when I do the episodes more often, I improve more. And so that's why I wanted to record three times a week, and I'll pick it up back again during football season. For now, it's been once a week um, because of just my schedule and because I can't really talk about baseball. Um, But this being a kind of an an opportunity and a platform for me to grow my career, which has been incredible. I I mean, I couldn't have asked for more in the sense that it has grown my career to get to the point that I'm at now. Um, And there's new and super cool stuff happening in my career that uh, hopefully I can share with on a later episode. Um, All those things happening, um, like that comes from the podcast. And so if I'm going and I'm moving towards something that's going to be in live sports talk, I better get used to having and being able to talk and find my way back to my original point without having to pause it and edit the episode. So good job by me that time. Um, So the last point, as we get back to that the last nba point that i wanted to make uh was when i talked about the trade last episode if you remember i talked about the trade between uh donovan not donovan mitchell but um uh damian lillard in portland and i talked about who could go back to portland ben simmons should go back to portland in that trade and of course if you remember i talked about dame goes to miami miami sends hero and whatever to brooklyn and then brooklyn sends ben simmons because ben simmons would be a perfect Uh, player to play with that young team there would be no pressure on him one of the things I talked about on last episode that was so cool when I not last episode but an episode from a while ago um, that I listened back to uh, was how well Ben Simmons was playing when there wasn't pressure on him and he didn't have to do too much with that team in Brooklyn and of course once Durant and Kyrie leave he falls apart too Um, so I think like that's a major part of it as well um that if he has no pressure on him and he's playing in a he, again this is a guy who was a superstar caliber player like let's not forget about what he was just because of he hasn't been that in two and a half years he was a superstar caliber player in this league a guy who was all nba a couple of times like this was a major like a really really good basketball player not just decent this guy was great And, um, so I think he can, I don't know if he get back to that level, but he could be really good. A guy who can play off of scoot can play in the pick and roll can be a slasher for him can play defense. Scoot's a smaller guy. If he has to play the number one wing guy, if he has to play a big man, I think that's, that could really help develop that team. So, uh, I like him going back in that trade whenever that trade does get done. If it does get done. Um, now I saw a headline this week and it made me say, ah, football is back. So let's get into the NFL. Russell Wilson is in the best shape of his career. That was the headline I saw. And that's when I knew. Football is here. Everything you see, all the Jets talk, all the different things you see on social media, whatever. There was nothing that said football is back like a quarterback who's over the hill and had an awful year last year saying he's in the best shape of his career. That's how you know training camp has started and arrived. He's got a new head coach out there. I don't think they're going anywhere. Uh, but hey, football's back um we had some crazy contract news and i think this was yesterday justin herbert signs and we'll get into the running backs because that's the big contract news that's been talked about all week and for the last few weeks already but justin herbert signs a new 262 million dollar contract over five years it's the largest contract in nfl history so we talked about Jalen brown gets the largest contract in NBA history. This is the largest uh, per year contract, annual contract, because I guess um, Patrick Mahomes is bigger and it will be restructured because, I mean, Mahomes, cool. You have him for $500 million over 10 years. You don't think he's going to want more than that to match some of the AAVs, like the yearly average that some of these guys are getting. I'm sure he will. But Justin Herbert signs for $262 million. It's two more than Lamar Jackson, $2 million more, which is $5 million more uh, than what Jalen Hurts got. That's three guys already, three quarterbacks that got big contracts. Obviously, Daniel Jones also got $40 million. And now the question becomes, the way I see it, is what happens with Joe Burrow, a guy who came in the same time as these guys. And he's due for the contract, too. And I think it could get ugly. Like, the no-brainer answer... Give him that contract now. That's the only answer. This is a guy who is one of the best quarterbacks in the world, who has gone to a Super Bowl already, who has beaten Patrick Mahomes three times, who lost on a crazy and a crazy game last year in the conference championship in Arrowhead, but could have won that game too. You don't mess around with this guy. This guy's a proven winner back to LSU and now in the NFL, and you don't mess with that. Give him $500 million. Give him the Mahomes deal. Give him more than any of these guys over a longer-term contract. But do I trust that a franchise that's been dysfunctional like the Bengals is going to do that? I don't trust them at all. And I know the Bengals have been better of late. The Bengals have... They started their ring of honor. They're inducting this year. It's Boomer in with Chad Ochocinco. Boomer said two guys who couldn't be more different. But um, it's kind of funny that they're going in together. Um, would have been more made more sense. I don't know. Put him in with chris collinsworth i don't know um but it's kind of funny and congrats to boomer obviously it's my co-worker but as far as burrow i mean again just get it done there's no reason to wait around you have to get this contract done and yet i still don't trust that it will happen um like it couldn't get ugly like i could see this going to a place where they pick up the fifth year option on him and they tag him twice and he holds out And then basically after seven years in the league, because that's the most control you have over a guy is the first seven years, he ends up having to sign a contract elsewhere. I don't see him as the type of guy who holds out and doesn't play under the tag. Like to me, he seems like a guy who just, okay, I'll go out there. You want to tag me? I'll go out there for $50 million, which was the quarterback tag is going to be, something like that. And I'll go win a ton of football games for you. Sure, I'll keep doing it. He seems like that type of personality, that type of guy, really good. Like the leader that you want, the best player that you could possibly have. But can it get ugly? Can it get really bad between Justin Joe Burrow, rather, uh, and the Cincinnati Bengals? Of course it can. They're the Cincinnati Bengals. Just because you got the quarterback right, you got him. You got the guy who's the difference maker. Congrats. It doesn't make your franchise not dysfunctional anymore. And we'll talk about that a little bit later with the Jets. But this is the story with the Bengals. Will they continue to be a dysfunctional franchise? Or can it finally change? Will they make the right call? And sooner rather than later, because we saw what happened with a team that dilly-dallies and waits around like the Ravens did with Lamar Jackson, and at the end of the day, it worked out because they have Lamar Jackson signed to the long-term contract, and it worked out. But the longer you wait with Burrow, the worse it's going to get. It's not getting any better, and I'm just, I hope, I hope for the sake of the Bengals and Bengals fans in the NFL that they work this out soon, because if they give him, if they pick up that fifth-year option, and then they end up having, he plays on it, and then they have to tag him. And maybe he sits out and who knows what happens. He's not going to be your quarterback in two for two years from now. It's just not going to happen. And I'm curious, as a fan, as kind of someone who likes the entertainment value, I'm going to sit back and I'm going to watch, watch it develop. But I don't trust that it'll go smoothly for them. I'll be entertained either way. Now let's get to the running backs position. Um, So running backs have been devalued. Again, this is the biggest thing that's the storyline right now. Because when you look at guys specifically, Dalvin Cook, Josh Jacobs, Ezekiel Elliott, and Saquon Barkley are the big running backs in the news this week and the last few weeks. Um, Here's the thing with running backs. Here's why they've been devalued. Uh, They run hard. They play a tough position. And they wear down sooner. And everyone knows that after their first contract... Their second contract is usually not good unless you're Derrick Henry, who's going to play till he's 35. And I feel like I can keep drafting him. Like I think feel like for three years, I've already been like, ah, maybe I shouldn't draft Derrick Henry in fantasy anymore because I don't know he's put so much miles on him, the way he takes hits like that. But he's just a beast. He's built different. Everyone else is built different than Derrick Henry is. He's built the most different than anyone in the league. Every other running back, yeah, it's a risk because after that first contract, they're not the same. They get hurt. And not only that, if you have two guys making half the money the running back is making, the star running back that you have, you have two guys making half that money, guess what? Those guys will probably combine for 80% of production you'll get from a great running back. That doesn't take away. Neither one of those guys is the great running back. But basically, what Minnesota said is, hey, Madison, he's going to do, I don't know, 50% of what Dalvin Cook can do. And then we just need another 30%, make up 30% with someone else Of Dalvin Cook's production for way less money, it's worth it and will improve the roster in other places. It's why people kind of hated on the Giants and said the Giants were so wrong for drafting Saquon second overall in the first place. They need a quarterback. You mess up the whole timeline by drafting a guy, especially when you need a quarterback, if you draft the running back first. I get if you draft the running back after you have the quarterback in place, because when you have a running back on a rookie deal and he's a great running back, there's nothing more valuable. But now teams are basically like, hey, no one else is going to pay you. Dalvin Cook is just sitting there in free agency. What's he going to get, $47 million at this point? That's it. Four to seven. Not 47. Four to seven on a one-year deal, maybe a two-year deal. Like, that's nothing. And the franchise tag. And people, I mean, some of the narratives have been idiotic. Like, I saw the narrative... um, that the average running back makes less than the average kicker well that's because there's one kicker per team and there's running backs who are making you know a few hundred thousand dollars on certain teams that include are included into the average look at the average starting running back versus the average kicker and the average starting running back is making significantly more probably five times more than the average starting kicker maybe more get it so everyone making that argument is kind of idiotic so but i get why people are upset i get why the running backs are upset but it's just not smart business anymore The smartest business is you pick up the fifth-year option on them if they're a first-year guy, you tag them twice, and you have them for the first seven years of their career when they're going to be most effective, and that's it. That's as long as you want a running back for You don't want them beyond that. Does it suck for the actual position players who play running back? Do I not think that Saquon Barkley is incredible at football? Yeah, and I've heard Tiki talk about this, and Tiki's pretty upset about it because he was a great running back. He was a running back who got paid, but the league changes. The league evolves. It's kind of what happened to the fullback position. When you look at the fullback position in the NFL a few years ago, when people were like, what? People just don't have fullbacks on their roster anymore? And now people just don't have fullbacks. Now, the difference is people still have running backs. People are still using running backs. They just think that two to three guys who make less money combined can get you the same value, can get you the same, I guess, total production as one great running back. So we're not going to see running backs even drafted in the first couple of rounds anymore. Well, if you draft them in the first round, you have control over them for the next seven years. So it might still be worth it. Draft them in the first round over the course of their seven-year career. You'll pay them. You'll end up paying them, I don't know, $80 million, something like that over the course of seven years. And that's it. You have that running back for seven years, $80 million, which is still plenty of money, still great, but it's not close to what these running backs thought they were getting. Look at the contract that Zeke signed a couple of years ago. And now no one will give him anything. Dalvin Cook still hasn't signed. Now, Dalvin Cook, it's also, again, narrative thing. If Dalvin Cook had been uh, a free agent before the draft. If he had been cut the last day of the season, then he would be signed by now. Because the team would have the roster space for him and all those things. So there's different factors that come into play here that people fail to mention. People just conveniently leave out. With Saquon Barkley and with Josh Jacobs, those are the most interesting situations. Because those are the guys who got tagged, who are great running backs in this league, currently in their primes. Josh Jacobs was the best running back in the league last year, not named Christian McCaffrey. And Saquon Barkley was probably the second to third or third best running back in the league last year. Saquon Barkley arguably is the reason why Daniel Jones got paid. And yet he's not getting paid. So the franchise tag, I think was $10 million. He ends up getting 11 with incentives that could get him up to more and he gets $2 million of it up front after holding out for the weakest holdout ever, maybe, what was it, three days that Saquon Barkley held out? So he's going to show up to camp on time. He goes on a podcast. He goes F you to the Giants. He's angry. And then all for what? For him to get one more million dollars and then like another million in incentives that he'd really have to have a crazy, crazy season and the Giants would have to bake the playoffs, which is going to be easier in the NFC. But for him to get the incentives, it's not even all fully reliant on him. It's dependent on winning, which he controls to an extent, but not fully. Um, So I'm curious why he did end up signing, but also what was he gaining by holding out? Like they can't sign him to a long-term deal anymore. The deadline passed. He can no longer sign to a deal. So if he was planning on playing this season, there's no point. There's no use in holding out for him. There really is no solution. The only thing that you could have gotten by restructuring your contract out of holding out the only thing they could have done for him is give him a promise and he could have signed in, in in writing that I won't be franchise tagged next year we won't tag you next year it's the no tag clause and he didn't even get that in this new contract basically the Giants called his bluff and said hey you're too good of a guy you like playing football too much we're gonna call your bluff and maybe there was a handshake agreement that this is gonna be we'll give you the a two-year deal at the end of the season because we can't sign you to a long-term deal. It wouldn't be the first time that there was a handshake deal like that, an agreement that they agree on. But if you were so angry to go on a podcast and call out the Giants and hold out to get $1 million and then $300,000 for each of these three incentives that you hit benchmarks that you hit doesn't make so much sense if you ask me about Saquon Barkley. As far as Josh Jacobs and him holding out, he most realistically is not going to play this season because they're not trying to win. So I don't see them caving and giving him a contract. The only way I see him actually playing this year is if he says, okay, I just want to keep my value up. But even then they'll tag him again next year. I don't see it changing. I don't know how it changes. Um, Is it sad for the position? Yeah, but it's just part of evolution. It's part of life. This makes sense. It's business. It's the business aspect of the sport. Like Joe Shane did everything right. And he ultimately quote unquote, wins as kind of gross as that sounds to say um this is just another case though (laughs) where fantasy football totally doesn't represent real football this is something i hate i talk about this all the time on the podcast about fantasy football just doesn't represent real football like fantasy football who's going to go first in every fantasy football draft this year probably a running back saquon's gonna go really high cmc is gonna go really high same thing with Josh Jacobs. If he ultimately plays, he's going to go really high in this fantasy football draft because running backs are the most valuable still in fantasy football. So fantasy football needs to be tweaked a little bit. But running backs, it's not that they're not valuable anymore in the NFL. This is why I say it's different than fullbacks. Fullbacks, we just put a tight end back there. We just put a, a bigger running back back there, and they'll block for us. The reason why. Um, Running backs are actually devalued or they still have their value. The reason why they're different, I should say, from fullbacks is because there still is a value. You need to run the ball to set up play action. You need to run the ball to set up screens. You need to run the ball to set I remember I listened back to an episode, one of the episodes. Again, I'm going to go back to this well that I was listening back to this past week was me talking about how the first seven plays of the second half in the Super Bowl, uh, the Chiefs ran the ball seven times in a row, seven consecutive times, ran the ball right down. Um the eagle's throat and guess why you do that to set up everything else so just because it was Pacheco and it was another guy and it was Clyde Edwards-Alaire like you had three different guys doing it and none of them are making big money but you still do it that's where it's different than fullback where you don't even you're just going to put Travis Kelsey and have him be the lead blocker out of the backfield Um, so it's a little bit different in that sense now another storyline I think in the NFL going into this season is the AFC the AFC is absolutely loaded I mentioned the NFC is not. I think it's easier to win. But I was going through this, and we'll do my football, my preview, my season preview, and I think we'll also. I'm um, starting the eighth, August eighth, is when Hard Knocks starts to come out. So we'll do Hard Knocks reviews on the Jet season and all that stuff. But we'll also preview the football season as a whole. But when I when I went through the teams of the NFL and specifically in the AFC, I was like, there are all 13 teams that can make the playoffs out of the AFC, and I would definitely not be surprised. There are only seven playoff spots in the AFC. And all but three teams in the AFC, I think, have a legitimate shot at making the playoffs. Let's go through them and start with the AFC East. Buffalo, you know, won the division last year, won the division the last couple of years. Looked like they fizzled a little bit at the end. And I'm still, if I'm being honest, I think they might take a small step back. I think there was a little softness to them last year and maybe they had to just deal with so much with you know Demar Hamlin having to move out with the snow. Maybe they really did deal with so much like when they just absolutely got dominated at home by Cincinnati. But still they're the favorite to win. They'll probably win even if they take a step back. They'll win 10 to 11 12 games um in the AFC East. That's a tough division and I think they're the best team in that division, Miami. The case for them to make the playoffs. Mike McDaniel is an awesome coach. They now have One of the top corners in the game in Jalen Ramsey, although I still think he'll take a step back. Um, And they have still Tyreek Hill and Waddle, who are two great receivers who aren't going anywhere. If Tua stays healthy, even if he doesn't, they got Mike White, right? Um, But if Tua stays healthy, there's no reason to believe that they won't be just as good, if not better than they were last year. They can easily make the playoffs. New England, it's a make or break year, a lot of people are saying for Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick with his back against the wall, by the way, they actually brought in an offensive coordinator this time and Bill O'Brien. Mac Jones, this is a make or break season for him and his NFL career. When I say make or break, it sounds so stupid about Belichick. I should backtrack for a minute. It's idiotic. Of course, it's not make or break for like his career or anything, but apparently Rob Kraft has been Bob Kraft has been fed up with uh with with Bill Belichick for a while now. And so if he fires him after the season I don't think Belichick will be pissed like he'll probably get a coaching job somewhere else because you know he wants to break the record which he's close enough to if he coaches for another couple of years um so I think it's still I don't think he's gonna go out with a whimper I don't think he's gonna get himself fired I think they'll have a winning season playoffs yeah the New York Jets I mean I could go on for hours Aaron Rodgers Brees Hall Garrett Wilson on and on they should make the playoffs if they don't that'll be a huge huge disappointment even though vegas has their over under at nine and a half wins i saw a projection in some article maybe usa today that they're projected to win 12 games so there's that um all right let's go out west and talk about that division so that's so so far everyone in the afc east could easily make the playoffs that's four teams so far out west kansas city yeah they're making the playoffs unless there's a catastrophic injury to patrick mahomes they're making the playoffs The Chargers, I do think, will also take a minor step back. I get the obsession with Justin Herbert. He doesn't turn the ball over. He throws it deep downfield. Ultimately, their offensive coordinator takes the fall and gets fired after that terrible collapse in the playoffs. I still think that their head coach is not a great head coach, and I think he will ultimately be fired after this year. So if I have to pick a team that doesn't make the playoffs and it's a shocker, I would pick the Chargers, and I'll go under on whatever their win total is. But after Herbert just got paid, I like them. He's really good. They can easily make the playoffs. So there's five teams already, or six teams we're up to that can make the playoffs. Denver? I don't know. They're on the cusp for me. Like, I still don't trust in Russell Wilson, but I do trust in Sean Payton. Sean Payton's a really good coach. I know I talked about him as being just another another Mike McCarthy, but the one thing is he's not going to deal with Russ's BS. And so if he has to make a change at quarterback, if it gets to that point, he will, but I think they'll try and win, and they should be better for sure than they were last year. So that's three more teams. The only team I didn't mention in that division is Vegas with an unhealthy Jimmy Garoppolo. They said there was a, there was a big storyline that came out. Jimmy Garoppolo passed his physical. If that's newsworthy, that's not a good sign for you, Jimmy G. Uh, so I don't think that Vegas is going to be any good this season. Uh, but so far, still seven teams that I think in two divisions, seven teams already filled up the playoff spots, and we know we need at least two more from the two other divisions. So let's go to the South, which I think is the worst division in the AFC. Uh, we have Tennessee, who just added DeAndre Hopkins. Look, DeAndre Hopkins is not the same player. When they, everyone talks about, oh, my God, DeHop, it's crazy. They added Hopkins to everything they already had. He's not the same guy. I'm sorry to break that to you. He's still a really good receiver, though, and I trust Vrabel more than anyone. Like I trust Vrabel, and I think the team that's going to win that division is Jacksonville, and Trevor Lawrence is going to be one of the best quarterbacks in the league, right up there with Mahomes and Burrow and Allen and all those guys for a very long time. Speaking of those top quarterbacks in the league, I feel like one guy who doesn't get mentioned enough anymore is Lamar Jackson. I know he's been hurt the last couple of years, but he got paid $260 million for a reason. He's going to be really good. I think Baltimore is going to be really good. I do think they'll make the playoffs. So that's another team for Cincinnati's going to make the playoffs, right? I don't think they're missing it with Joe Burrow. And then even Cleveland, like, Is Deshaun Watson, did he forget out to play football? There's no way Deshaun Watson is this bad. I get he had a bad season last year. I understand that there's probably needs to be a little bit of growing from Deshaun Watson. He needs to get a little bit better um, to get back to the place that he was. But sometimes when you take off from football that long, it can happen. I expect him to be better. I expect the team to be better. And Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh was a playoff team last year, right? So why would they take a major step back? Again, another year older for Kenny Pickett. A full season of starting for Kenny Pickett. I don't see why they'd be worse. And that trade, oh my God, with Chicago. Claypool is starting the year on the PUP list. Uh, physically unable to perform, meaning he's hurt. That trade was just a total ripoff uh, by the Pittsburgh Steelers. So notice, the three teams I didn't mention. Two of them play down in the South, Houston and Indy. Not very good teams. And Vegas is the only other team. 13 teams can make the playoffs And there's only seven spots. I mean, but it's football talk. We're doing it. (laughs) I love it. I'm so excited. We get to talk about football. Football is almost back. Like I said, I've been wanting to talk in general, just talk sports because I can't talk so much baseball. But now we get to talk football. Football is just the best. So I have two more things that I want to get to. Number one is the Jets. And number two is quarterback. I don't know if you've been watching. I watched a couple episodes There's a couple of things that I love about it. So I'll talk about quarterback first, which is the Netflix, if you don't know. Netflix uh, kind of docu-series about NFL quarterbacks. They chose three NFL quarterbacks to follow along with the entire season. Last season, they were. um, Patrick Mahomes, Kirk Cousins, and Marcus Mariota kind of give you the whole spectrum. A guy in Patrick Mahomes, who's the best, ultimately wins the Super Bowl. There's a guy in, um, obviously, Kirk Cousins, who is right there he's a really good quarterback but he just can't get over the hump um and then obviously um you had marcus Mariota, who ultimately gets benched in middle and i didn't even get up to that part because it's like a lot of it's a puff piece there's no drama for me i know who won each of these games i remember watching them last year it is cool to see the behind the scenes like when uh patrick mahomes his workouts are crazy like what he does off the field the way he collaborates with andy Reid and some of the players on some of the play designs and play calls in the game is so cool and then also him just going out there and um saying to just uh, justin uh hurts uh jalen hurts i should say um when he says the jalen hurts at the super bowl he's like yeah i had to book uh three months ago i had to book the airbnb to get out here three months ago your team wasn't in the super bowl yet and that's just the confidence and i guess cockiness if you want to call it that that patrick mahomes has uh that makes him such a great quarterback now what i loved about Kirk cousins though and this is what stood out to me the most Kirk cousins is awesome and Kirk cousins is so like relatable this is a guy who's worth millions of dollars and he just seems like an awesome dude there's a couple of scenes that i want to get this so the first scene was him he's at like this bonfire and he burns a hole in his sweatshirt and he goes oh man that's dad's favorite sweatshirt that's oh it's such a shame i guess it'll have to be my fire sweatshirt now dude you signed like a 300 million dollar contract <laughs> you can buy the whole sweatshirt store you could buy all of them you could buy eight of them and you won't feel it like it's just funny that like he still thinks that way like he went to barnes and noble and there's like a 15% sign 15% off signs there and he goes "Ah, oh, i guess it's my lucky day and then his wife they ask her she said like like she's like i always see on twitter like what do you shop at target and kohl's and she's like yeah why not like they don't live in this crazy house he just seems like an awesome awesome guy who's so relatable who's just cool like 300 million dollars he doesn't live that kind of lifestyle um it's just awesome the way he is with his wife and kids just super cool so uh if you get a chance definitely check out that show and now we talk about the jets so one of the episodes that i went back and listened to was after the jets were officially eliminated from the postseason and it was me and my father talking about the jets and the death of their season and he's like look they're going to go out now and they're going to get one of these big quarterbacks and it's we know how it's going to go he said he literally said they'll get Rodgers he's like i still think Rodgers has some more in him um, he said they'll get Rodgers or Brady um and it'll crash and burn. It'll be epic, an epic, epic failure. We'll get so excited, but it'll be an epic failure. And one of the lines he said also was that a 13 year old bar mitzvah boy has not seen the Jets make their play, make the playoffs in his lifetime. And so funny. The reason that it's so funny is because Rich Eisen just last week said the exact same line, like the actual same bar mitzvah line on his uh, on his show on the Rich Eisen show, which is just funny. My father said it nine months earlier. So I guess Rich Eisen's taking notes from the podcast from my dad. Shout out. Um, but. Yeah, I, I get it. The conversation was that no matter what happens, this team will find a way to screw it up. And the Jets are going to be on hard knocks, which, by the way, the NFL put out like this little like sizzle reel today, which was just kind of one-on-one, both mic'd up, Sauce Gardner against Garrett Wilson, one-on-one. And Garrett Wilson makes this great catch over the middle after... Getting a drop of separation, and sauce goes to him. He's like, "Dude, you had no separation. How would that ball slip in? That's perfect pass." Talking about Rogers throwing it, of course. I'm like, "Oh my god, I'm going to love Hard Knocks." And there was a lot of backlash, but here's why I like it. I want to see the real raw access, like those plays. It's nice that we get these puff pieces from the Jets. They've been doing this docu series called One Jets Drive, where they show you everything, quote unquote. It's just propaganda BS. I want to see real, from an outside source, like. Real things that the Jets wouldn't show you themselves. Accountability, right? All these players, all these coaches, they know the cameras are on. Don't do anything stupid. And the whole narrative about, hey, no one's made the Super Bowl uh, being on Hard Knocks is BS. Because one of the criterias, you, you have to be able to, in order to be able to um, say no to Hard Knocks, which a lot of teams like to say no now. One of the things is you couldn't have made the playoffs in the last two years. So how many teams that didn't make the playoffs in the last two years make the Super Bowl? That's what you should be asking. And the Jets, the last time they were on this, they went to the AFC championship game. So I don't mind. I know they're modifying it a bit, right? There's going to be no cuts shown which is usually like the main storyline. They take some random like fourth year linebacker who was undrafted, who's bounced around the league and he's on the practice squad and they build him up and it's like, oh, he's a family man. He's a great dude. He hasn't made a ton of money. He has to work another job in the off and he played so well in the first two preseason games and he's cut. And that's like a huge storyline that they have throughout Hard Knocks. Um, so this year they can't do that because they won't show it. But like after you've seen it twice, you've seen it a million times, you know, the first couple years of Hard Knocks, That was super cool to see, but uh, now we won't see that. But, like, the Jets being so mad about it. Like, are they soft? Like, are they scared? I I, Saying, oh, we want it the way Rex Ryan did and we want it, like, we want to have the attention because we're going to be great. I don't see that. But, like, is Robert Salas scared that he's going to come off as soft? Because a lot of people have said he seems like such a nice guy in practice and stuff. This is a guy who was fiery, yelling at guys on the sideline in San Francisco it would be weird if he's all of a sudden gotten soft on them. Um, but even still, I don't think he's running the show. I think Aaron Rodgers, it's the Aaron Rodgers show. And here's why. My father and I on that conversation talked about how he just got to temper expectations. And I spoke to him on the phone the other day because we're like, we know it's going to go bad. We know it's going to turn out bad. And I listened to the call that we did after the Jets elimination last year. And all we talked about was the Jets are going to get Rodgers or Brady. We'll be all excited. And then it'll be a total train wreck. And I'm trying my best to temper my expectations. I am because I know in my heart of hearts that somehow something is going to go wrong. But every time I see one of these stupid highlights from training camp that the Jets put out there, I'm losing my strength. I spoke to Tiki Barber yesterday. He was talking about Jets camp. He's like, I was out there. This is different, man. Rodgers is different. These coaches are different. The players, it feels different than anything you've ever seen. This team's going to be awesome. He loves Nathaniel Hackett. Nathaniel Hackett was on with um, my guy, uh, Peter Schrager, who I love. And he talked on his podcast. He told just two incredible stories. One story um, was his first year in Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers is is there, obviously, right? This is his MVP season with um, LaFleur. And there was a certain play called. And LaFleur is like looking in, and he sees the play clock going down. Five, four. Rogers still not snapping it. Three, still not snapping it. Two. Finally, uh, Lafleur panics and he quickly calls timeout. And Rogers comes yelling over the side, Don't you ever effing do that! Don't you do that! I know exactly what's happening. I was gonna wait till it was at a half a second. I was gonna call the guy in motion, snap it. We had a touchdown on that play. Don't you ever call timeout! I run the offense. There was another time, on the same in the same game, he said the first touchdown Rogers ever scored with Hackett as his offensive coordinator was a play where. They ran up to the line. There was no play call, and Hackett was freaking out. He was like, we we're snapping the ball. There was no play call, but Rogers saw something. He wanted to get everyone up to the line quickly. He snapped it. He got the playoff. Like That's Rodgers' stuff. He told another story that um, Brees Hall and the running backs were in the running backs' room. Michael Carter, Brees Hall, Bam Knight actually was the one who told this story, We're in the running backs' room working with the running backs' coach. It's a dark room. It's just the four of them, and they're working on video play calls. They're trying to see, okay, here's what we could do on this call. Here's what we could do on this call. Then they hear from the back of the room Actually, I think what we should do is something like this. And da 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 da. It was Aaron Rodgers in the back of the room, was watching the running backs because he's so invested in the Jets players right now. I mean, these—he showed up at every OTA. He was at minning camp. The things he's saying in the media, are saying all the right things. He's clearly so invested in how this team is going to run. Like, I don't have to worry about Robert Sala screwing up timeouts because he's not going to have the ability to call timeouts. Because it's all going to be on Rodgers, right? I mean, it's some of these throws, the toe taps, the connection that he has right now with Garrett Wilson. Even Connor Hughes, who is like the most negative Jets reporter, in my opinion. Connor Hughes is like, oh my God, Rodgers is incredible. Rodgers is mad also. He wants to win. He's so angry. He wants to get it done with this team. He wants to prove a point to the Packers. He wants to prove a point to the league. You know why I know that? He took a $35 million pay cut over the next Three years? Three years? I mean, the personal things that he's saying with the media, like, I mean, he's talking to the media, he's friendly with them. Everyone's like, how's Aaron Rodgers going to handle the media? Well, he's been friends with them. He's been nice to them. And again, again, I I can't, I don't know. It's, I'm trying my best to temper my expectations, to hold on, to keep the faith, to stay strong and know that this is as good as it, it keeps getting better every day. And it only keeps getting better. And my expectations only keep getting higher. And all these people who know the Jets organization and know Rogers, like this is the best we've ever seen him. This is unbelievable. And then I know like deep down it's the Jets and it can only end badly. But I don't know how to do it. I don't know because like I can't see it ending badly right now. And at the end of the day, I don't care. Even if it ends badly, I don't care. Why should I be disappointed now and later? If I'm going to be disappointed in the end anyway, and when it ends poorly, and this is what I want to say to my father after all that, why should I be disappointed now and later? Like, if it's going to end poorly, it'll end poorly. But at least I should enjoy here and now, live in the moment, enjoy the moment. And that's my message to all Jets fans. Do I think it's going to go great? No, nothing has gone great in our history. But until it's not going great, enjoy the hell out of it. Because this has been the greatest few months of my life as a Jets fan. A guy I grew up adoring in Aaron Rodgers. My favorite quarterback of all time. And he's here and he's doing all these things with my team on the Jets. With the new throwback uniforms. Everything that keeps getting me more and more excited. I don't know. And look, if they have a great year. And even if they make the playoffs and it crashes and burns. And they have a crazy ending to the season where they just it implodes in their face. Worth it for all of that, that enjoyment of the full season. We don't get that as Jet fans. Now, it happens to be, it would probably happen the other way around because the start of the season is tough. They have a tough schedule to start. So if they start th- three and three or two and four, sure, I don't even mind that because guess what? I'd rather them end the season strong than start the season strong. Let's say they end the season strong and get hot going into the playoffs. I don't mind that either. The schedule gets easier as the season goes on. So again, as much as I want to temper expectations, I'm not going to. I love this team. I love the Jets. I love Aaron Rodgers. And that's where I'm going to end this episode. I appreciate you all for listening, as always. Uh, go Jets. I'll keep you updated. I'll be honest. I'll be the first one to be on here, to be honest, to hold myself accountable. But I love what I've seen so far. And why should I hold back the Jets of Aaron Rodgers? Thank you all for listening. Until next time. I'll see you all later. Peace. You were
1: the best nights of my life. You, got the light that always shines I miss the way that you move and the way I get high When you take me to your eyes, Like I'm standing in the sky I see your subway causing old graffiti I breathe your air when I land in another city I'll be that one that's got you printed on my bones I know everywhere I go, oh, oh, why you say it all? Drop down riverside, see the birds flying on the high line with the sidewalks burning. We pray for rain in July. I, on the Yankees 99. Yeah and the Knicks on a sold-out night. When the curtains close and the broadway streets are alive. Hey. I need your heartbeat close Don't you ever leave me? And I breathe your air when I land in another city. And I'll be my bones Yeah, you're all I know Everywhere I go oh, oh. I ain't changed up oh, oh Always on my own I'm still New York You're yeah, the only oh, oh, oh. That I'll ever know My concrete oh I'm still New York Yeah, BK born and raised I was God sent I used to hit the Shot in prospect. Take them long walks, on my time's being just a kid with that empire. Stay the mindset. Kick flipping off a blind deck. Dipping from the New York City's finest. Yeah, said I've been up on my New York shit. Walking down the block with my New York bitch. I can never leave my city, ain't nothing like it. Even if I do, though, I can never hide it. Type down on the west side when I'm driving. East side I'll be the only side of the ride. And I'm